What's up, everybody? Episode nine of the EJ, the Entrepreneurial Juggernaut. And as usual, I have myself and Chelsea here. And you know what? Like today, though, is, is pretty badass because we have a pretty special Extra guest. Special guest. From <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> right? The sassiest person in our company. And so we've welcomed Roxanne in. She's here for the holiday party. What's up, Roxy? Hi, it's me. There she Roxanne is. Roxanne from Bossy Business. That's right, that's right. You may know her from Bossy Business. I learned all my sass from my daughter. That's well, sometimes <laughs> that's the best lesson. We learn a lot from our kids. But uh, anyway, so we invited Roxanne in today. We are uh, wrapping up another incredible week here at the 100% Eek offices in Rancho Santa Fe, California. And uh, coming at you with, you know, today we're always kind of pulling topics from really things we deal with and work through during the week. And I can't tell you how many people, and I know you guys both deal with uh, different offices and potential offices and stuff as much or more than I. And I want to talk today, if you guys will, about uh, just being better than average and not even like the boring side of, of are you better than average or can you do things others won't do? I want to talk a little bit about how everyone thinks that they are their shit is better than average. If you asked anybody in business, they would clearly say, I'm not average. Yet, we know that 50 to 60% of businesses go out of business. We know that the customer service we get when we go places usually sucks ass. Like th There's nothing that separates some of these people. And so today I want to talk about, even though people say they're better than average, let's talk about what that really means and how many people honestly can say they're better than average. Thoughts on that? Roxanne, you got thoughts on that? <laughs> um, no, I think this will be great. I mean, one of my biggest fears and something that I think motivates me is my fear of being mediocre. Mm -hmm. um, and there are days that I totally am mediocre and it, it tears me to pieces. Um, and there's days where I don't feel like that. So I think this is going to be great. Yeah, I think I think like in my life, just thinking when we were talking about this topic, there's areas where I'm like, definitely not average there, mm -hmm. but some other areas where I'm like, ooh. You know, I know you have some fun stats about going to the gym and working out and probably right now in my life, that might be my average department. Right. Maybe even below some weeks. The so. thing is, I think that most people associate being average or with, you know, with not not having the same like success as other people. And I would argue that. And I think, you know, a lot of us are good examples of this, but failing is a badass way to. Uh, learn and achieve and get the things you want, it by no means means that you're a failure or less than average. And I don't think there's a successful person on the planet, right? Whether it's athletics or it's business or whatever, or parenting or anything that hasn't felt a ton of failure at some point during that career. And that's really what, and I, we tell our docs all the time, when you have a chance to like overcome adversity, that's what separates you from the other 90% of people on this planet is that they would like wilt away and buckle and cry and whine and blame and all the other bullshit that people do when times get tough. And other people to me that are better than mediocre are the ones that bust through it, learn from it, overcome and still achieve. So let's talk about a couple of those different things and see, because I like you, Roxanne, um, one of my biggest fears in life would be being called average sure. or being mm -hmm. safe. 
I think safe sucks. Yeah. Uh, defending mediocrity sucks, we say uh, in this company a lot. So let's talk about how to get out there a little bit. So, so some small stats here, right? But just some simple ones to show you what we're talking about. Um, 73% of Americans work out for uh, one time, one day a week, right? And the average American gets 17 minutes a day of physical activity. Now that includes walking, that includes taking the stairs when you have to, that includes the air. So basically people aren't working out. That makes me feel a little better. Yeah, people, <laughs> people don't do shit, right? And so again, it's like, what are you doing to separate yourself from that? I mean, we know the benefit Roxanne more than Chelsea and I probably. Roxanne's are like a, 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 a like an Olympic bike racer. <laughs> that is so, not true. So, but I, I crash mean, more than anyone. But right, better example there though, yeah. right? You're trying nonstop. Mm -hmm. But I mean, to get that, like you leave your stress of stress from work, stress from parenting, stress from relationships. There's nothing better. No one's ever regretted a workout and no one has ever left a workout and not been like, shit, I feel amazing. Even if you're chubby, even if you're in great shape, even when you leave that workout, you're just like, okay, I feel better, right? But yet people don't do it. Why is that? Why do people know they'll feel better? They've experienced that. And yet still, and I'm as guilty as anybody, you don't find the, the motivation to get out and do that. Because the couch and watching Netflix is so much more interesting. Yeah, that's well, I think it's just because, it. like you said, like overcoming adversity when you get thrown into it. But if you're not thrown into it, then you're like, oh, well, I don't have to do this right now. So, you know, it's a choice that we all make, of course. Yeah. But um, it's hard to go to the gym sometimes because we have a million other things we can do. Sounds like and Chelsea's making some excuses now. Yeah. Gym I, mean, time, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I would... I would say that if you're having a hard time getting to the gym and you're having um, like that wall, it's because you're not doing it right. You have the wrong mindset. So for me, biking, I don't bike to lose weight. I don't bike to get a better ass. Like I bike because I love it right. and it makes me feel like a badass. When I accomplish something like technical terrain or doing a big drop, it gives me an adrenaline rush. So my motivation is completely switched. When I want to go to the gym because I want to get better arms, I will never go. Yeah. I won't do it. Right. Because it's not a priority of yours. Right. right. But but it's it's that biking or whatever it is to work out is bringing me joy and not a chore. A quote right. I love from uh, actually a girl that used to work at our company. and But I, I saw it. She's like an Instagram fitness person. But she said, work on your body because you love it, not because you hate it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I thought super cool way to look at it. It's just like, right. why not go out there and, 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 you know, and give everything you have? Mm -hmm. Because you know how it makes you feel. And uh, you achieve much better, much better things, but also you're in a better mood and just all kinds of stuff. But well, and then even like when I do like the days I go to the gym, mm -hmm. which is usually about three days a week, more than 17 minutes. So I do feel better about that. But <laughs> I've been doing these boot camps, which I love because they're really competitive, fast paced. Um, but when I'm in those, I work a lot harder because I don't want to be the average person in those who's right. like, oh, I can't finish the set or I can't push the sled another time or, you know, and so I think. In everything you do, try to not be average too. Well, so we'll turn the page before we become a fitness podcast. But, <laughs> but the one thing I want to say, because I just don't have many chances to say this, the last thing is when you start working out or when you start eating right, you don't need to share that with the entire world. Like no one needs to see your meal. No one needs to, to know exactly what your runtime was or your route. Like we get it. And there's a bunch of you that are going to hit it hard January 2nd through January 9th. 
and we don't need to see your run route or your uh, paleo meal that you made with almond flour or anything. <laughs> Keep that to yourself. Just show us the pre-post about six months down the road and we'll know the work <laughs> you had to put in. Um, tons of stuff here. I mean, you know, let, let's take it in our own profession. The average chiropractor is bringing in $67,520 a year. Um, keeping in mind that the average chiropractor graduates with about a quarter million in, in student loan debt. Damn. It's so saddening to see that the average chiropractor, I think I made damn near that bartending through college if I would have worked that on a regular basis, just because, yeah. you know, it, it's you got to make more of that because you have the ability to. And people fall into this bullshit like hourly rate or, you know, just making ends meet. Um, you know, mediocrity is is plateauing at safe and then just staying there. And I think a lot of people are frozen and safe. They don't try something because they don't want to risk paying their bill or they don't want to move to this place because they're worried about, you know, losing things that they have. It's nonstop. People live in this safe environment. And I think that freezes people quite a bit from doing some of the things that honestly would be what life is all about, which is experiencing uh, incredible things. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. I did take a toll um, this morning um, in our one of our private groups. That was kind of kind of cool. Actually, I might have shared it on our Facebook page, but it was, would you rather start a business that's slow, safe and steady or fast and furious? And so far, I'm proud to say that most of our company has chose the fast and the furious mm -hmm. way, which is cool to know that, you know, obviously they're doing it and we see it all the time. And so we can't uh, to that note. And that's a good, good, like point to pivot on. Like we, we try so hard to get across to our young docs and by young, I mean, young in business, not young in age necessarily about what they're about to face. And you can't get it across. I always equate it to raising a toddler. Like you can't really tell someone what it's like to have a toddler fighting you screaming. You're trying to keep them alive. Like you're trying to keep your, like you can't get that across. Thankfully, God gave you a newborn and kind of you, you go up in steps Then all of a sudden the little thing is mobile and you're doomed. Right. And so it's the same with a business like you don't even know what's coming your way. And what we do know is it comes everyone's way. We've seen the best of our, our company. We've seen the worst of our company. They all face adversity. And like we're saying, we can say with 100 percent certainty, the thing that separates the great from the not so great is their ability to, to shatter through that not to blame others. It's not someone else's fault. It's not your neighborhood, not your area, not you weren't done wrong by your school or all the people that you work with. All that's happening is it's you. Once you own up to like my life is a reflection of me, choices I've made, things I do, things I'm willing to do, things I'm not willing to do. And when you have that ownership, it's honestly for me empowering because that then I know I can change it. I caused it. I can change it. And I think that most people, I would say, and not just this podcast, many that I listen to and enjoy, it's like just own up for the the things that you have in your world and you then can make the changes to, to make an impact of that. Agree yeah. or disagree? Um, for me, I'm such a, like an analytical mind. And I actually was having this conversation with uh, JJ last night. Um when you don't want to be average, if you find yourself in that rut, right, and, and you have these goals. Um, I need like steps that I can write down that says how to change my mentality. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, own up to your stuff, but I need to know like you, for instance, like, what do you do? Do you read books? Do you, you know, dive more into education? Do you, you know, sit in your room and cry and get it all out? Like, mm -hmm. what are your things? That's what Dr. Jason does. I know. Yeah, I, did. Yeah. I saw him. I saw him do it. <laughs> he cries a lot. Some days I cry in public. It's just like. 
you never know. But like, you know, and especially for our offices, because it's great to hear you say like, mm -hmm. yeah, don't be average. Don't mm -hmm. do that right on. Mm -hmm. But I'm stuck here. So mm -hmm. how do I get out of it? I need to know. I need steps. And I, and I think that's a huge question. And I wish, you know, there was an easy answer. Like to me, <laughs> because like I, I, I football coached, I played football, like I'm a football coach mentality. Yeah. And so I want to grab someone by the face mask and yell and scream and like motivate. Right. And some people just respond to that and they love it. It pisses them off. And then there they go. Uh, even my kids, my oldest kid is this way. Like Ty, I can grab by the face mask and, and yell and scream and he's pumped and that's what he would do. Uh, you know, my other kids don't respond to that quite as well. Yeah. They would rather me talk through things like that. Mm -hmm. They more like you would analyze it and then figure out how to, to fix themselves and then go out. They all achieve great things, but one coaching style won't work for the other. Yeah. I find that the offices are the same way. Like mm -hmm. I've had to modify because many people are like, you're so much nicer now than you used to be. Like when we first presented numbers and stuff, it's because some people just like withered away. Mm -hmm. Like other people right. get pumped on stage when they're called out. Even if they're the great, that's just not how they respond. Yeah, not it's not their thing, to. right? They yeah. take it the wrong way. It's rude. It's it, 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 it was never meant. It was always yeah. from the right spot of trying to help them. But I think to, to your point, how do you fix that? I think that's the big thing is first you have to figure out what what motivates you. Yeah. You know, do you need to read? Do you need to listen to podcasts? Is it more quiet time than meditation? Is it praying? Yeah. Is it you need to share it with the entire world for accountability or do you want no one to know because you just need to do stuff internally and then show people what you got? So, I think too, just recognizing that in yourself is a huge step. Mm -hmm. If you don't recognize that you're having like a wall or hitting a red or mediocre, Recognizing in yourself that you're average or you're mediocre and then working through that yourself. Because we could give all the coaching we wanted, but I really think it's your your own self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Right. And recognizing. Well, I think we 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 all as parents, there's nothing you see that work better than with your kid because I think it's so great to figure out what the leadership style is. Yeah. Um, one, your parenting style also comes into play because it's tough to be someone you're not. If you're not a disciplinarian, it's hard to act that way. Yeah. And you're out of your comfort zone, right? If yeah. you're not someone that can talk through stuff, and so you know, but you start to get very comfortable as you get good at it, and you start to realize. You know, is it disappointment? Is this going to buckle the kid? And, and that's yeah. what they need to know. Or is it more like taking things away is going to motivate them? Mm -hmm. You know, and again, if you do the wrong thing to the wrong kid, uh, all of a sudden it doesn't work. You right. know, and then all of a sudden you just suffer that relationship problem. So I motivate mine with feminist speeches. <laughs> and that shit works. Yeah. She, gets, she gets pumped up. And I'm like, that's so funny. Girls stick together. <laughs> and, and I don't motivate my boys with that exact same feminist. Uh, <laughs> so, so different styles right there. Yeah. So let's take this towards business then. So, you know, customer service, I always love If you asked 90% of businesses, and this isn't exact, but pretty damn close. If you said, Hey, what separates you from your competition? Right. Most of them are going to say the same things, which is either customer service, which is bullshit. It doesn't. Everyone thinks they have good customer service. They don't. Um, or they'll say price. So price is an easy way to differentiate yourself from your opponents. But someone's always going to get cheaper. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to be the cheapest place, right, if, you, if you're if you're the dollar general or you're the, the Walmart of your career, there's a place for that. Like, I mean, I'm not even bad mouthing it. But it's not the way I would want to go, you know, and I would hate to do that. But there's always going to be a place for the person that's the most economical choice. And, and that's a route. 
But for the majority of us, we need to separate ourselves our different way because we're not going to always be the cheapest. For instance, in chiropractic, in our world, we're never going to be the cheapest. In fact, we pride ourselves on being fairly uh, expensive in such a way because we want to make sure we have the ability to give the consumer the experience that they need. And to do so, you need to charge you know, appropriately. So if everyone thinks they have good customer service, let's break that down a little bit because customer service to me is such an overused like cliche, like totally. we have good customer service. What the hell does that even mean? Like, it's when they don't have anything else to say, I feel like you say that. And it just covers everything. Like what, you have a person yeah. that smiles up front or you answer the phone in two rings. Like, returns voicemails. Like yeah, it's just like, the big basics. Deal. Yeah. Like to yeah. me, like in the world of business, that stuff is bare ass minimum now. Mm-hmm. Like to be yeah. treated nice when I go into a place, I'm not like, wow. Mm-hmm. They like answered my phone call in two rings and they're so friendly. Like if they don't, I'm not coming back. Yeah. Like as opposed to like raving, like in our offices, we try to exceed like every expectation, every visit. And and that's like a daunting task mm-hmm. because sometimes you're busy. Sometimes you're not in the mood. Sometimes, you know, uh, it's not as easy as it sounds. But like we know we have people in our in our office. What separates us is we make sure that every experience in five to 10 minutes that we have a patient from the second they walk in our door to the, the second they walk out of the door. We want to make sure that we're exceeding every expectation and we want them talking about us long after they leave. And that's hugs, it's high fives, it's building them up, it's appreciation, it's gratitude, it's aesthetically, it's the music, it's the heat, it's the air conditioning, it's it's how everything plays out. And I think once you get into that world, and maybe that's me from restaurants, because in the world of restaurants, even if you nail it, there's a chance you're not going to see that person again for a year or two because your competition is is massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let alone if you suck, you're never seeing them, and they're going to tell ten friends, right? If not a hundred, that it sucks. So, I think that the first thing, and, and you guys can elaborate too, is like list not not say what, what separates you. It's like list a hundred detailed items that you do that you don't think your competition does that absolutely separates you from the pack. And I think that would lead to better answers. I think another way you can figure out what you are average at, if you really just think you're the best at everything um, in your business, if it's a type of business where you get reviews, every one of your reviews that's less than five stars means you're average, whatever they talk about, whether it was dirty restrooms or whatever. Right. I think you'll see like that anytime someone has negative feedback, that just means you're average or below average because they didn't have anything nice to say about it. Right. So. I think that's a good way to like kind of look at yep. look at your own business if if that applies. Um, if not, apply it however it would. But. And I think average would like average would if you get a bad review would say, oh shit, I got to call ten friends and get a bunch of five star reviews to get it. Like better than average to me answers that person. And like I don't care this. So I know every every business has a pissed off client in some way, shape, or form. A lot of times it has nothing to do with you. We have people that are mad; they have to pay their bill. Right. So that's going to happen to some of you guys. It just happens. And so but when that happens, I want to see that response. And when I can watch a restaurateur or a realtor or a chiropractor or anything respond to that person in such a way that's classy, but also just puts them a little bit like, here's the real scenario in that. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, I'm sorry it didn't work out your employment in this look instantaneously. I know it's just a pissed off employee. Right. Right. So to me, that's a good example of what separates someone that's mediocre from someone that's willing to face the challenge and be like, no, I really take this to heart. And sometimes that may mean, you know what? We screwed up. Thank you so much for that. I would love the opportunity to show you our, you know, how we really do things. 
to me, that's real. That's a business that's at, you know getting shit done, not just trying to cover up and sweep all their problems. Um, because I think you guys would agree. Like, I, I think our whole world is like, it's so superficial. Mm-hmm. Everyone on Facebook and Instagram, it's like, here's the perfect version of me in Aruba on my vacation. But like, no one wants to show like what's happening behind the scenes, which is fine. But at the same time, it's not very transparent. It's not very real. Mm-hmm. So we all are are judging ourselves based upon the best thing, the best week, the best day that all of our friends and family. Mm-hmm. And that's why some people are so beat down just because oh, yeah. they're like, shit. I'm I mean, gonna... I've had friends fall into depression because of it because mm-hmm. they kept comparing their lows to their highs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's not the case ever. And, yeah. and that's an adult. Imagine kids. Like, I mean, in the mind of a, I don't know if I could have handled it at the age of like 14 no way. to see like what other people are. And that's what our kids are growing up with, man. They're going to see the best of those people. And not only that, unfortunately, sometimes the worst of your moments that are usually kept private, you know, all it takes is one ass to get that out on social media and your kids, you know, in a, in a world of hurt. So mm-hmm. it's a different world for sure. But I mean, I think that, um, well, we got off on a tangent there, um, but, <laughs> but I think that your ability to, to handle those is a great example. Um, so I'm saying list a hundred things that you do. And if you're like, if that takes like a weekend, then you're not, then you're not that much better than average. You're saying list a hundred things that you do that your competitor doesn't yeah, do. Yeah, that separates you. Yeah, or right. why you're better than average. Yeah, exactly. And like your pen, like your hands, you get that writer cramp that you get when like you had a essay test or something in mm-hmm. school where you're just writing for an hour because like, you didn't stop. Like that's how it should be. When I, like if you told me to write a hundred things down about your business that separate you, like I could go until the clock stops mm-hmm. and I could just roll. Now, some you may agree with, some you may disagree Others, you may say that doesn't really separate, whatever, like there's debate on all that. But I know a lot of things that we do that separate us. And if the people that are listening can't say that about their real estate business, their restaurant, their chiropractic office, then I would argue that you're probably not that much better than mediocre or not near as good as you think you are. Yeah. You know, (laughs) bringing some like stuff that most women don't want to share is I get Botox in my forehead because... I don't want wrinkles in my forehead. Yeah. And I have, It looks nice, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> very natural. <laughs> so you're welcome to everybody. They now know my hidden secrets. But hey, it's fine. Um, but I have gone to a plastic surgeon's office, right? And it's beautiful. It's nice. It's great. They were friendly. They were genuine. and had all these qualifications that made them stand out as great. But I didn't go back because when he did it, he dropped my eyebrows. And I was pissed yeah I was pissed and so no matter how good his office was Mm -hmm. no matter how friendly his staff was I didn't trust him anymore right and I didn't go back and so now I go to this lady that is super rad I've recommended so many people and she's smaller it's just her business but for me it was she can do her job and she can do it really well yeah and and she I mean she understands people's faces and so when I'm going into businesses like, I think you have to take that into consideration. Like, you can have the nicest office on the street, but you got to do your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think do that's it well. a, yeah, that's a good point. Because, I mean, in chiropractic, right, it's can you adjust? Right. And so, so many people, you can even, you can build a beautiful, anyone can build a beautiful office. Like, that's just money, right? right? But, I mean, if you can't adjust, I mean, like, yes, if you don't have the goods, if you're not a good dentist and you're a dentist, right? If your food doesn't taste good and you're a restaurateur, if you can't adjust and you're a chiropractor, then then you're doomed, yeah. Right. Either yeah. find a way to get better or do something, find another technique, hire someone in that can do it better than you or whatever you need to do. But you've got to be able to deliver the goods, yeah. whatever your profession and, and is. And you have to be incredibly personable. I mean, you are dealing with people's bodies 
you know, mm-hmm. and. But don't you have to, I mean, you have to, that, that, that has to be sincere. I think you have to love what you do. Like right. I genuinely work all the time because I love working. Like sometimes I'm on my couch. Sometimes last night I was up at two 30 in the morning, jotting shit down. Like, but that's like part of the journey to me. Like I love yes. that. And so I think if, if people just hate what they do, right. Th- then it's just a matter of time. And that's always going to come across because you can only fake it so much if you're miserable where you're at. And if you are, then find some place you're not miserable because the, the rest of us are sick of dealing with your shit. <clears throat> right. So find something that you can get passionate about even if it's a side hustle and you have to work to put, you know, pay the bills, but on the side, you're doing what you really love. And someday that's going to be your dream and stuff. Great. Like do it, but stop like not, not enjoying life and stop not doing what it takes. Because like we said at the beginning, like you're mediocre Yeah, and, that, and that's a, that's a tough thing to swallow. So, so before we wrap up, I have a question. So after you make your list of whatever you think you are above average in, whether your business or a lifestyle or mm-hmm. something, what do you do next then? Do you take it to someone who will be really honest with you and say like, yeah, you nailed this one. This one, not so much. I went somewhere else that was better than this in this department, you know, than you are. Or what do you, what do you think like yeah, the best way? It. Yeah. Because if you think you're above average and you look at your list and you're like, cool, I did a hundred. Now I'm even more than average. Right. Right. And then even like your friends are going to be obviously not want to hurt your feelings or whatever. And so they might you can not it to be. me. <laughs> yeah, bossy business. But, but I mean, the thing is, like, you you know in your heart. I mean, yes, you can share it with somebody. You can not share it with somebody. You know in your heart of hearts if that's bullshit. Mm-hmm, the right. things you wrote out. Like I would say, like I don't I don't I don't care what people think about my thoughts. Like I, I just don't. Like, and there was a time that I did, and I think just some of it comes with age, some of it comes with success, whatever the case may be. I just don't give a shit if people agree or disagree with my business thoughts. Um, no, I, I, I love their attention. I love when people like what we're doing but that being said two people arguing with with what i do i could care less you know and so you start to see that there's haters all over the place mm-hmm. i mean go on tony robbins podcast right i love and his i mean he makes like 30 million every weekend where he's doing stuff so you can't get much more successful than him in this world and every one of his like posts there's a bunch of people that are like you know, the snake oil salesman, bullshit, blah, blah. It's like, he doesn't care about that because he's yeah. worried about the millions of people that love what he's doing. So right. um, I think equally important, maybe to your answer is after you write the list of a hundred things that you do that are kicking ass, start a list of things that you do that probably suck or that are holding you back mm-hmm. or what are things you're scared to do or can't do or need to do to achieve that next level. You know, because again, another cliche thing, but we always say you can't do the same shit you've always done and expect something to happen mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Like you've got to change something. List of things that you make excuses for. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Well, I think that's a big one. I mean, yeah. just like I said before, owning up to you're responsible. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. That's a cool thing. That means that you you have the ability to change today. Like in the, in the, the, uh, the training call we did this last week was just like the cool thing is you can change your attitude like in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like you can be in a good mood here in, in 10 minutes. Like you can't change your financial position. You can't change what you drive. You can't instantaneously change your relationship. Like that stuff all needs to be worked on. You can change in five minutes if you're a positive person to be around and if you're in a good mood. Yeah. And I'm telling you like that, that shit, that alone, good things come from that when you're in a, in a positive place. Yeah. And we've all been there. So, but okay. Anyway, we're we're wrapping out of time. We have a uh, a uh, cool like uh, work draft we're gonna do. We'll fill you in on the details maybe next podcast <laughs> as we 
get going on this. But <laughs> thanks for joining um, us today, Roxanne. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, move out to San Diego for us, Roxanne. <laughs> we need to have you out here. But um, anyway, everyone have an incredible weekend. Thanks for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you later. Peace. Bye. Bye.